Years ago, a TV filming crew was on assignment in South Florida. They uh, were filming the devastation and uh, debris left by Hurricane Andrew. And uh, as they were going block after block after block and filming uh, the devastation and all the different scenes, one particular scene stood out as they made their way to this one neighborhood, this one block. Amid all the devastation and debris, there was actually one house that was still standing firm on its foundation. And the owner of the house was out in the front yard cleaning up all of the debris from around the front yard. And so the reporter went over and asked and said, sir, if you don't mind, how is it that your house is the only one still standing on its foundation on this block? How did your house survive the devastation left by the hurricane? And the man said, well, all I can tell you is I built this house myself. And I built it according to the Florida State Building Code. When the code called for two-by-six trusses, I used two-by-six trusses. Whatever the code called for, that's exactly what I did. He said, I was told that a house built according to the Florida State Building Code could withstand a hurricane. And it did. God wants us to build our lives according to his code found in his word. God's word is the blueprint for our lives. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. Jesus said, therefore, if anyone, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. And its collapse was great. Jesus told us in this passage that God's word is the code for our lives. Jesus told us we need to act upon and obey God's word. Jesus told us the storms of life will crash into us on a regular basis. Jesus told us we can thrive in and through life's storms as we obey God's word. The Apostle Paul believed these points, lived these points, taught these points, and wrote about these points often. Paul wrote about God's code for joy in the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles with you, open them with me to New Testament book of Philippians chapter 1. I want us to spend time in this book this morning as we unpack all of God's truth for our lives. Paul loved the brothers and sisters in Christ in the church in Philippi. These believers were near and dear to Paul. Paul loved this church family that he planted along with Silas and Timothy during his second missionary journey. One of the main themes in the book of Philippians is joy. Joy. Paul used the word joy or rejoice eight times. 18 times in these short four chapters. 
We see in Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, Paul, after his typical greeting, said this, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul was full of joy. He was full of joy over the believers, his brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus in the church in Philippi. Why? Because of their partnership with him in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were his brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. They loved Paul. They encouraged Paul. They supported Paul financially and in every way. When Paul thought of his brothers and sisters in Christ in the church in Philippi, he did a couple of things every time he thought of them. Number one, he thanked God. And number two, he prayed with joy to God for all of them. And so we begin to see this theme of joy from the very beginning here in chapter 1 in the book of Philippians. And so before we look at a few points about joy that we see throughout this book, let's give a quick definition of biblical joy. Here's a quick definition of joy. If you're writing notes, I want to encourage you to jot this down. Joy is the unshakable, this is the key, unshakable gladness and delight we have by faith in Jesus. Joy is the unshakable Gladness and delight we have by faith in Jesus. Paul shared many, many truths about joy here in Philippians. Let me just share a few of those with you uh, from this book. Number one, we know joy is found in Jesus. It's the first point we see immediately. Joy is found in Jesus. There is only joy to be found in Christ Jesus. It's biblical joy. Uh, There is no joy found in what the world has to offer. There is no joy found in what this world has to offer us. Joy is not found in our circumstances. Paul was writing this letter from a prison cell. Joy is not found in other people. Friends and foes alike were after Paul. Other pastors were jealous and envious of Paul, and they were insulting and ridiculing Paul because he was in prison. Those who uh, were outside of the church, the Jews, were trying to eliminate Paul all the time. Joy is not found, this biblical, true, lasting, unshakable joy is not found in our circumstances or people. It's not found in our accomplishments. Paul said, and everything I counted as joy in regards to my accomplishments. And if anyone, Paul said, has the opportunity to boast in their accomplishments, it was Paul. He was a Jew of Jews. He had all of the accomplishments you could ever want and then some. And Paul said, I consider them rubbish trash compared to the joy that I have found in Christ Jesus. There is only one source of true joy, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? His name is Jesus. The angel told us this in the announcement of Jesus' birth. Luke 2, verses 10 and 11. You remember that story, that passage? Luke wrote, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today a Savior who is Christ the Lord, Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. Jesus is the good news of great joy for all people. Paul talked about this in Philippians 3. Look at Philippians 3 real quick, verse 1. Philippians 3, verse 1, Paul said this, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. 
to write to you again, notice that, to write to you again about this, about what, about this, about what, rejoice in the Lord, to write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a protection for you. Paul wrote again and again, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Say that with me. Rejoice in the Lord. It was no trouble for him to write this, and it was a protection for them to rejoice in the Lord. The reason we can rejoice in the Lord Jesus is because joy is found in Jesus. It's the reason we can rejoice in the Lord. We can't always rejoice in our circumstances. We can't always rejoice in others and what's going on around us. We can't always rejoice in what is happening to us, but we can always rejoice in the Lord. And Paul understood this. That is joy. The unshakable gladness and delight that we have by faith in Jesus. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a Bible scholar and author, said this. I love what he said. Joy is the response and reaction of the soul to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great way to look at joy. It's a reaction, a response to the knowledge, the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. Second point, joy is a gift from God. When God saves us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, he places his Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit, among other things, produces the fruit of the Spirit in us, which is fantastic because we can't produce the fruit of the Spirit on our own. We are really good at producing the acts of the flesh on our own, which is completely opposite than the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit in us. Paul told us this in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 when Paul said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and what's next? Joy. Love and joy. So we understand based on through the God's word, as we walk in the Spirit, not the flesh, as we walk in obedience to God by faith in God through his power at work in our lives, The Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit produces joy in us. Unshakable gladness and delight is produced in us by the power of the Holy Spirit that we have in Jesus. Now, understand the fruit of the Spirit in us is evidence God is working in us. The fruit of the Spirit in us As it's seen in our lives, it's evidence God is working in us. Therefore, we know joy, the fruit of joy in us is evidence that God's working in us. It's evidence that God's on his throne in our lives. Now, understand real quickly, happiness comes and goes. It's based on circumstances and emotions. Happiness comes and goes. It's based on circumstances and emotions that we deal with every day, all through the day. Joy comes and stays because it's based upon our relationship with Jesus Christ who never leaves us, fails us, or forsakes us. Joy comes and stays. That's why it's unshakable. It's unshakable not because of us. It's unshakable because of Jesus Christ because he is our joy. Second, A third point is joy is a command from God. It's not just a gift, it's a command from God. Because we have received joy, follow me, we should rejoice. 
Because we have received joy, we should rejoice. And Paul talked about this in his letter to the church at Philippi. In chapter 4 and verse 4, look at what Paul said. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. When did Paul say rejoice? Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Each of those rejoices beginning of that verse 4 and the end of that verse 4, are present active imperatives. Those are commands that we're to follow every day all through the day. I want you to notice that Paul's commands, that book in verse 4, came after, came after, believe it or not, came after Paul's rebuke of the two ladies in the church in Philippi and the church leadership and the church membership of the church in Philippi for allowing the ladies' conflict to continue on and on and on and on. Paul challenged them to agree with one another in the Lord. In verses 2 and 3, he said, agree in the Lord. What does that mean? It means end your conflict biblically now. Ladies, stop arguing, stop fighting, and start what? Rejoicing. Start rejoicing. Start rejoicing that we have the solution to every conflict that we may face in our lives day by day, moment by moment, step by step, and that solution is Jesus. His forgiveness of us, which enables us then to forgive others and enables us, as far as it depends on ourselves, to live at peace with everyone. So he was challenging them to agree in the Lord. Now we know that joy, just like the other fruit of the Spirit, joy, just like love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, just all of the fruit of the Spirit, joy included, can be quenched in our lives. And for a season, it can be stolen from our lives by unconfessed sin in our lives. It's what we see happening with these ladies. They were allowing their conflict to flow into unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness. And it was stealing their joy. And those around them. And so we see that Joy, just like the other fruit of the Spirit, can be quenched in our lives. It can be stolen from our lives for a season by unconfessed sin in our lives, which is another reason why it's so important for us to confess our sins to God quickly on a day-by-day basis so that we can receive the forgiveness of God that is ours in Christ Jesus so that we can continue walking in God's strength day-by-day so that we can continue living with the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord, as Nehemiah said, is our strength. And so we understand the Christian life truly is a life of joy. The unshakable gladness and delight that is ours from God by faith in Jesus. The fourth point is the world desperately needs joy. The world desperately needs joy. Now, biblically, the world is defined as those who are living in rebellion against God and opposition to God. can also be defined as just the creation uh, of God, his world and all who live in it. But we see biblically, specifically, as it relates to this point in this passage, as we see 
this point play out when it relates to joy. Biblically, the world defined, is defined as those who are living in rebellion against God and opposition to God and their philosophies, their thoughts, their messages, their beliefs, their attitudes. It doesn't take us long to look around at this world and to look at what is going on in this world to notice without any hesitation the absolute absence of joy. The absence of joy like we're talking about. Satan, biblically, is called the ruler of this world. He is the ultimate joy stealer. He is the ultimate joy stealer. And so we understand and realize the joy that he offers through this world that we live in is fleeting. It's unsatisfying. It is nothing like the joy we find by faith in Jesus. And God wants the joy we have in Jesus to shine through our lives. And joy, as you know, shines brightest and best in times of trials, in times of sufferings, in times of difficult circumstances. That's when that joy, that unshakable gladness and delight that we have in Jesus Christ shines brightest and best for those around us. You see, the way God has designed it, the fruit of the Spirit shines in us and points people to Jesus. Joy shines in us and points people to Jesus because it's the exact opposite of what they expect to see in us and what they're seeing in us is Jesus because he is the foundation of our joy And that draws them to Jesus. And so we understand how important it is. Paul talked about this in Philippians 2 and verse 2. Paul said, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way. He said, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. What's that one goal? That one goal is to glorify God by pointing people to Jesus Christ. Glorify God. By pointing people to Jesus Christ. Paul filled, he filled this book of Philippians full of God's truth, which produces joy in us so that it could be seen through us by those that God places around us. So I want us to look at just a couple of these joy producing truths that Paul has shared with us in his word. We're going to look at two of these truths this morning. There's so many more that we could point out. We're just going to focus on two. The first is this, God is working in our lives. The first joy producing truth is God is working in our lives. Chapter one, look at chapter one, verse six. We went through verse five, look at verse six. Paul wrote these words, I am sure of this. That he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul said, I am sure of this. This means I am confident of this. I am convinced of this. I have no doubts about this. Paul said, I am sure of this. That he who began, he who started a good work in you. What is the good work that Paul is talking about? The good work that Paul is talking about is the good work of salvation. It's a good work of salvation that God starts and completes in you and in me as his kids. We know that God works in us and God helps us to understand our sin. God helps us as we grow up to understand the consequences of our sin. God helps us as we grow up to realize how sin separates us from him. God helps us to understand our desperate need for the Savior Jesus. Why? Because God loves us and wants a relationship with us. And Paul is saying, listen, I am sure of this. 
that he who started a good work in you. He's talking about the good work of salvation. Now, Paul said, I am sure of this, that he who started. Let's not go past that real quick. Who is he? He is God. God saves. God is the one who saves. Paul is setting this point up for us. God is working in our lives, and his work is the great work of salvation. I am sure of this, that he who started. God is the one who saves us. Listen, religion doesn't save us. Tradition doesn't save us. Baptism doesn't save us. Going to church doesn't save us. Good works don't save us. Our parents don't save us. Our friends don't save us. We don't save us. God Almighty saves us by his grace alone, through our faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. God is the one who has called us out of the darkness of sin. God is the one who has called us into the marvelous light of his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. God is the one who has made us alive with him in Christ Jesus. And when we receive God's gift of salvation by faith in Jesus, we are filled with joy. This joy, amen, give God a hand. Amen. We are filled with joy. And Paul understood this. That's why Paul said, I am sure of this, that he who started the good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Hey, that tells us something else. Salvation isn't the end of God's work in us. It's the beginning. Salvation is the beginning of God's work in us. Paul told us that God promised God promised he will, God promised he will carry on his work in us, which is making us and molding us and shaping us to be more like Jesus day by day. He will carry on his work in us until we see Jesus and spend eternity with Jesus in heaven one day. He will continue his work in us. Listen, I can share with you right here, right now, at this very moment, God is working in every one of our lives, and he's working in every one of our lives from two perspectives. Number one, he's either working in our lives, drawing us closer to faith in Jesus, or he's working in our lives this morning, at this very moment, making us more and more like Jesus. It's one of the two. It's one of the two. Every one of us falls into one of those two positions. And so we see the beauty of this truth come alive for you and for me. Not only that, but Paul also tells us in chapter 2 that God will give us the desire and the strength to do his will. God will give us the desire and the strength to follow him by faith, and God will give us the desire and the strength to walk according to his work in our lives. Philippians 2.13, Paul said, for it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to will and to act for his purpose. So we know God is enabling us to will. That means he is giving us the desire to do his will. God is enabling us to act. That means God is giving us the strength to do his will. So here's how we can summarize it, and here's how we can look at the scriptures for you and me as brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, God saves us, and God shapes us, So God can send us to those he places around us so that we can minister to them. Because every one of us is a minister for Jesus. 
as followers of Jesus. God saves us and God shapes us so God can send us to minister to those he places around us, which is exactly why Paul said all throughout the book of Philippians, he said these truths. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In humility, consider others more important than yourselves. Look not only for your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. That's why Paul encourages us to let our graciousness be known to all, to let our gentleness be known to all, to encourage one another to agree in the Lord, to live at peace with everyone, to be quick to resolve conflict, to be quick to forgive one another, to be quick to seek forgiveness from one another. That's why Paul, all throughout Philippians, was encouraging us these ways. Why? Because as followers of Jesus, we are ministers and witnesses for Jesus. Remember, God's work in us is always for us, but God's work in us is also for those God places around us. It's also for all those he places around us. So what happens is this. God saves us, which fills us with joy. God shapes us, which fills us with joy. God sends us, which fills us with joy. The unshakable gladness and delight that is ours by faith in Jesus, no matter the circumstances, no matter the challenges or difficulties, the highs, the lows, the ups and the downs, joy remains. Second truth, the second truth real quick is that God will meet all our needs. God will meet all our needs. We see that at the, they see this truth at the end of Philippians. Philippians 4, 19, Paul said, and my God, will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Notice, I think this is beautiful by Paul. Notice, Paul started the book of Philippians with the joy-giving truth, God is working in us in Christ Jesus. Paul ends Philippians with the joy-giving truth, God will meet all our needs in Christ Jesus. God's riches and glory in Christ Jesus have no end. They have no end. God meets our need for acceptance in Jesus. God meets our need for correction in Jesus. God meets our need for comfort in Jesus. God meets our need for encouragement in Jesus. God meets our need for faith in Jesus. God meets our need for grace in Jesus. God meets our need for help in Jesus. God meets our need for hope in Jesus. God meets our need for joy in Jesus. God meets our need for love in Jesus. God meets our need for mercy in Jesus. God meets our need for peace in Jesus. God meets our need for perseverance in Jesus. God meets our need for significance in Jesus. God meets our need for strength in Jesus. God meets our need for truth in Jesus. God meets our need for wisdom in Jesus. God meets all our needs in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 He meets all our needs. All of them in Christ Jesus. I think it's significant. You look in verse 19. Paul said, and my God, say that with me, and my God, that's significant, that's significant, don't pass it, and my God, signified the personal relationship Paul had with God in Christ Jesus, and my God, signified the passionate relationship Paul had with God in Christ Jesus, and my God, signified the powerful relationship Paul had with God in Christ Jesus. It's easy to see why Paul was so full of joy. It's because Paul was so full of Jesus. I can say, and my God, 
by faith in Jesus. You can say, in my God, by faith in Jesus. We are filled with joy by faith in Jesus. Our greatest need, our greatest need is one and the same. Our greatest need is for forgiveness of sins. Because you see, our sin against God separated us from God. And there is nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to get rid of our sin and get to God on our own. Jesus, though, Jesus met our need for forgiveness as he shed his perfect blood for us on the cross at Calvary. The perfect lamb of God was slain for you and for me, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. He was innocent, yet charged as guilty. And he poured out his blood on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. See, Jesus lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are, yet he never sinned. He died a perfect death. He rose again on the third day, thereby opening the way for us to be able to receive forgiveness of sins and to enter into a relationship with God, which is by God's grace through our faith in Jesus. Because remember, religion can't save us. Works can't save us. Baptism can't save us. No one can save us. Only Jesus saves. And so we understand and realize That joy, new life, abundant life, eternal life is offered to us by faith in Jesus. Just a moment, we're going to.